You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And welcome in. Lake Kick is live. It is Thursday night, October 8th, the year of our Lord, 2020. And it, friends, is a beautiful day. And it has a lot to do with a big college football weekend on deck. But the Braves are going to the National League Championship Series. And you don't know how long I've waited to say it. Long time. Colin and I have had a serious conflict of interest today. It's a miracle that we were able to put the show together. But yes, friends, we can ask now, finally, for the first time in nearly two decades, who are the Braves playing in the National League Championship Series? That question off the air. Many more questions hopefully will be answered on the air tonight. And they have to do with the sport we love so much, college football. We have got full week six predictions. feels kind of strange saying week six in a world where we have two of the Power Five conferences that have yet to play a game. That's 2020 for you, though. We've got the Mood Tracker with an extra special twist on it tonight. We've also got some added Georgia-Tennessee thoughts. I got several additional things that when I was listening and watching the show, riding home Tuesday night, I said, you idiot, why didn't you say this? Or, or why did you say that? As many of you probably said watching the video. So we're going to add some more. I wouldn't even say cherry on top. There's going to be a lot of whipped cream with that, too. And also our Ramen Noodle Express, five best bets. And that's been in a state of flux today, too. We have come right up to showtime, taking some out, adding some in. So we got a lot to get to. We have had, and i got to thank you for this, over 1,500 new subscribers to the channel just this week alone. Week's not over, guys. So continue to pour those subscriptions in. Uh, it's getting noticed. So a lot of people who are in very big, spacious offices and high-rises in New York City who own this company, this company being CBS, they see that and they say, wow, well, that's gaining some traction, so let's make it gain some more traction. You never know what all added benefits you as the viewer may have in store if... Um, if we continue to have the kind of traction we've had on the channel. So subscribe if you haven't already. Subscribe to the Late Kick Podcast, too. As I said, we have got a loaded show, and we will waste no time with it. I want to start same place we started the other night. You can make arguments for a number of games this week, uh, but at least the fine folks at CBS, since that's our parent company, have seen fit to make Tennessee, Georgia, the CBS 3.30 game of the week, 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central this Saturday. Understand how big this is. This is what I didn't hit on the other night, and I was talking to Wilt Fong the other day, and he made a very astute point. I tweeted it out the other day, and I want to repeat it now. There may not be any visitors. In fact, Tennessee may not even be at home this weekend, but this is the biggest recruiting weekend of Jeremy Pruitt's career at Tennessee as the Tennessee head coach. Uh, and they're in it for a number of big-time kids with Georgia, and that's the case every year. But what do we always talk about on here? We talk about selling a ver- vision versus selling reality. And so far, Tennessee's had to stick to selling a vision. In other words, walking into your living room, if you've got an offer from Georgia and Tennessee or Alabama and Tennessee, they've had to come into the living room and say, one day we will be that. They are that. One day we will be that. And just hope that the kid buys the vision And to a certain degree, they've had success there. But it's hard when Georgia can walk in and say, or Alabama can walk in and say, well, here's what we've already won. Here are the guys that we've already developed. Here are all the cats that are already playing in the league on Sundays. You can can barely watch an NFL game without seeing our guys littered on virtually every roster out there. It's hard to overcome that. There's only one way to do it. you got to win games. That's ultimately what it comes down to. I want you to imagine for a second 
if they were to pull this upset, it wouldn't be monumental. This line's 12 and a half right now. So if they were to pull this upset, what would that mean? All of a sudden, you walk into like a Marius Mims living room. That's a five-star tackle. Tennessee, Georgia, kind of going head-to-head for him this recruiting cycle. What would it mean, though? You could take 15 different kids this cycle, and you could insert their name there. What would it mean? It'd be a big-time deal. Uh, Colin, let's quickly, before I forget, let's put the game capsule up one more time. We sort of build to this on the Tuesday previews. I'm going to start it off on Thursdays with this to remind you what the odds makers think and what we think because we like to do our own numbers numbers here and then we compare them to what the Vegas number is. So uh, this thing's kind of moved around. We didn't change the graphic. When we did this on Tuesday, Georgia was a 13-point favorite. That is now 12 or 12 and a half. Started the week at 14. So you've had some volunteer money come in there. Eh, well, at least we assume that you have. Our number's a little bit tighter than that. We have Georgia winning by 10 per 100 or 1,000, rather, game simulation. So that's what we picked. We picked Georgia to win the game. We picked Tennessee to cover the game. Let's talk about this a little bit. I was reading over on Dogs 24-7 earlier today. I saw Jake Rowe ask a really interesting question. Well, he wasn't asked, really. They were doing a Q&A back and forth. We're, they were talking about this Tennessee eight-game win streak. It's one of the longest, maybe the longest, I don't know, one of the longest, uh, safe to say, in college football right now. And so a lot of people were talking about it. It's been a big deal. Now, it's that's... Eight-game win streak's not something we've said for the last decade very much in uh, Knoxville. So it was a big deal, but Jake Rowe made a point. He wasn't being sarcastic. In fact, he made sure to say, I'm not knocking him, but he said, so far all Tennessee's done in that eight-game win streak is do what they're supposed to. They haven't beaten anyone they're not supposed to. The challenge they have on deck now is try and beat someone you're not supposed to. Again, that's not a slight. He didn't mean it as that. I don't mean it as that. Because a lot of teams out there don't beat the teams they're supposed to. We used countless examples the other night on the show. So now let's ask some questions here. Do you think, you can think along with me here, you can come up with your own answers. Do you think that Georgia will have the same success running the ball between those tackles as they did against Georgia the other night or against Auburn the other night? Uh, It's tough to say they'll have more success doing it. I think they'll find out, but that was kind of a bloodbath between the tackles the other night. And once you find out you can do that, I don't care if you've ever played a down. I don't care if you ever coached a down. I don't, I don't really care what you do for a living. If you're watching a football game and you figure out early on, uh, we just run straight ahead. I think that simplifies a lot of the remaining equation. And I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure that out. That's the key to winning with an unproven quarterback. Stetson Bennett's a really good story here. But I think the subtext that has made him a really good story coming out of that Auburn game is... Staying ahead of schedule and being able to constantly control things on the ground. How many throws did you see Stetson Bennett forced to make the other night? How many obvious passing downs did you see Georgia forced into? Because they couldn't run the ball and it was second and nine, third and seven. There weren't a whole lot of those. That'll make a quarterback look really good. And that's the ability to ease a quarterback as much as you can in conference play into things. Jeremy Pruitt will take risks to make sure that doesn't happen. The risks obviously probably include leaving some one-on-one matchups on the outside, and you're banking on the idea that, I don't know if Todd Munkin and Kirby Smart have it in their game plan to necessarily throw the ball all over the yard, and if they do, we're going to count on our secondary, buoyed by a couple of guys returning this week. We're going to count on that. But you would typically think, or at least let me tell you how I would think, I would typically think in a game like this where – you understand that's the case, and you understand someone may stack a front against you, and they may force you to throw the ball. You would think, oh, that's what we're going to do. You know, we're going to we're going to throw the ball on early downs. We're going to loosen the box, whatever verbiage you want to use. Uh, maybe that happens Saturday. I don't necessarily 
know that that's the way it's going to go. I, I think when you know you have the kind of defense you do at Georgia, I think Kirby Smart and I think Todd Munkin may say, one, two, three, four, five, six, we got six, got seven guys in here. Run it anyway. See if they can stop it. Make them. Make them make you throw the ball, I think will be the mentality at Georgia. My biggest question here, as I think more about it, think more about the offensive approach, yards and points are going to be hard to come by. I've seen a lot of predictions out there, 35 to 10, 42 to 20. I mean, I've been wrong before. I could be wrong Saturday. I don't see it going that way. So I think points will be at a premium. First downs will be at a premium. Kind of game I like watching, to be honest with you. But my biggest question is everyone keeps talking about Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett's the starter there. He should be the starter there. Dwan Mathis had a disastrous first half in week one against Arkansas. Uh, I mean, it's not been but a week since then. We haven't seen a whole lot of him in meaningful action since then, uh, suffice to say. I wonder if he figures a little bit more prominently into this week's game plan than we are being led to believe. The reason I say that is because let's say, let's just assume together for a second that Tennessee does do a half-decent job of limiting Georgia's run game. Well, you would think, okay, well, plan B is we're going to use George Pickens out here. Kyrus Jackson's been coming on strong. Jermaine Burton, maybe, maybe Landers makes some noise. We're going to use the talent we have at wide receiver. We're going to throw the ball. You could do that. I'll tell you what else you could do. If you don't want to go quite that route and risk putting the ball in the air that much, you still got a quarterback who has a really good set of wheels on him. And his name's Dewan Mathis. And I wonder, perimeter runs, maybe, maybe that run between the tackles deal isn't working. Maybe running inside's not getting you a whole lot of return on that investment. Well, maybe perimeter runs do. And I wouldn't be surprised at all not to see him start, not to see him out there running the offense. But if, they, if they've installed certain packages for him in this game, specific to this game, wouldn't be surprised at all. In fact, I think I'd be mildly surprised if you didn't see him in some shape, in some shape form, or fashion this Saturday. And I'm not talking about in garbage time either. As for Tennessee, I think it's pretty well assumed they got to force some mistakes. I assume that, I think even most of the optimistic Tennessee predictions I've seen, they kind of include, all right, well, force turnover here or there. Let's, let's at least force a draw, if not tilt it in our favor on special teams. How do you do that, though? Especially against a team not willing probably to take a whole lot of risks against you. Well, I mentioned guys coming back for Tennessee. Bryce Thompson, uh, Sean Schamberger coming back in the secondary, and that gives you a whole lot better look and it's not necessarily what you saw last week. Last week, Missouri was able to make some plays. Missouri was able to move the ball on them a little bit. It ended up not mattering. But you need it to mean points. You need those returning guys in that secondary. You need it to mean points. Here's what you try and envision. If you try and envision the path to the upset, which is kind of how we do it if it's a double-digit spread, around here at least, if you try and if, if I were to tell you Tennessee's going to win the game Saturday, how do you think it would happen? Well, one of the ways that I would think it would happen immediately would be they force, that Tennessee defense forces a mistake early. Maybe it's forced fumble on a drop back. Maybe it's just a, a forced fumble period by a ball carrier. Or maybe it's a pick. Or maybe it's a ball tipped up in the air and falls into the arms of a, a Tennessee linebacker. Anyway, something happens that tilts the game early in Tennessee's favor. Maybe they get three or seven out of it, or maybe they just tilt field position. But it also makes Kirby smart. I guarantee you this had happened. You Bulldog fans know it as well as I do. Guarantee you, when you know you got that defense and you're trying to throw the ball early and it already bites you, what have they had a tendency to do in the past that they may very well have the propensity to do in this game? That is go in a complete and total shell from an offensive play calling standpoint and say, 
We're going to play this game like it's 1937. We got the defense to do it. We are completely happy to punt the ball all day long because eventually they forced us to make a mistake. We can guarantee ourselves that this defense, by the nature of how much we contest everything and contest every yard on this field, will eventually force mistakes too. Which brings me to my last point before we move on. It would be a lot easier to pick an outright upset here if you believed Jerry Garantano, as I said the other night, was going to be able to play mistake-free ball. Largely, he has so far this year, if by mistake, you define it as a turnover. Didn't play flawlessly last week. No one does, but he didn't have to pay for him last week. I would ask this. This is kind of an interesting question. I don't know if it'll matter. The quarterbacks are never on the field at the same time. Who do you think has the edge at quarterback here? I mean, uh, how, how do you not say Tennessee? Maybe slight. How do you not say Tennessee, though? How, how do we even know what Stetson Bennett is, who he is? What we do know is he has better tools surrounding him. That's what we know. We do know he's got a better defense that can make plays and that can hold a score down even if they can't get it done. That's what we know about him. So he's got a better supporting cast. But if it comes down to a quarterback needing to win the game, very interesting very interesting proposition there. The reason that it's tough for me to lean outright upset with Tennessee, even though I could lean them plus the points, is, again, like I said, how much they clog passing lanes and they can test everything. And it may not cost you on a drive that uh, consists of seven plays, but a game that consists of 55 to 65 plays, eventually, when, when you're getting hands in front of balls and you're constantly touching the quarterback, hitting the quarterback, affecting the quarterback, impeding route runners' progress, hitting folks in the secondary, making your presence felt, eventually you knock a ball loose. Eventually you bat a ball or two up in the air, you force a fumble, or not to mention three and outs, but you, you keep doing that. And eventually you get the ball a couple of more times than you were supposed to. And that's oftentimes the difference in a game. Georgia was really good at that in 2017. Uh, that's the year that they rode a lot of that defensive momentum to a national championship appearance. So really looking forward to this game. I don't know why people have been petrified of weather all week. I don't know why you'd ever be petrified of weather. Obviously, if there's a threat of more than a 20-mile-an-hour breeze, the SEC will move the game for you. So I don't think weather, even if it is raining there, it doesn't lean me one way or the other. So we took Tennessee to cover. We took Georgia to win. And we'll take it as probably one of the most entertaining early games of the SEC schedule. All right, let's go all around the country here. Week six predictions. These are a lot of games that we haven't hit on yet. Starting with Texas OU, which if you were to ask me in the early portion of the schedule release season, I would have said would be our spotlight game on this upcoming Saturday. It's not. Oklahoma is favored by two. This is a noon Eastern time kickoff on Big Fox, Texas. As I tweeted out last night, I fully believe this. They need a win so much more than Oklahoma does you're not going to tell kids in the locker room that. You're not going to tell coaches that. But when you zoom it out, if we just if we just bring the late kick blimp over the game and we're just asking, that's uh, Tom Herman over there. There's Lincoln Riley over here. Who needs this more? Oklahoma doesn't need this game. I don't care if it would mean them losing three straight for the first time since the World War II era, whatever it would be. I don't care. Texas needs this. Oklahoma wants it. Texas and Tom Herman need it. Um. What are we doing at Texas? If they lose this game with the roster advantage and you got the quarterback advantage, what are they doing? What are we doing? What are we doing with Tom Herman? I remember Chris Del Conte in the offseason was doing an interview with uh, Chip over at uh, Horns 24-7, and he kind of said what he needed to say, which is everything's in place here. 
we got the new construction going on. We got this and that taken care of. So basically what he was saying was we have built the airplane. If Tom Herman's the right pilot, then he's going to be able to fly this thing at a high level. But if he's not the right pilot, then we just need to find the right pilot. He didn't say that in so many words, but that's how I interpreted it. What we're finding out, this, these are the kind of weeks where you find it out because their back's up against the wall. They've had back-to-back -back weeks of horrible miscues, looking very ill-prepared to play high-level football. And again, this isn't a roster where you're just starting freshmen all over the place. This is the number five roster per the 24-7 Sports Team Talent Composite. They have no business having to scratch and claw their way to a 58-58 tie, I think it was, to force overtime in Lubbock, and then a week later have the exact same mess Again, with penalties all over the place and bad situational awareness. So point being, if Oklahoma loses Saturday, they've still been to the playoffs every year to this point. Lincoln Riley's been there. If Texas loses Saturday, they're already out of the playoff picture at that point. They may very well be out of the Big 12 title picture at that point. What are we even doing there? But I will say this. I really think that at least reading the tea leaves out of Austin had a pretty good week out there. I think their locker rooms responded well, in other words. What does that mean on Saturday? I don't know, because you can be as fired up as you want to, and you can have all the right messages written on your eye black. You put the ball on the ground, and, and you, you flinch early, and you got 110 yards worth of penalties again. doesn't really matter. I will lean ever so slightly. I told you I don't think there's a lot of skill in picking this game. I will lean ever so slightly to A, the more experienced quarterback here, who has run his mouth after that game last week in what you would hope is a leadership style. you got to make it happen on the field or else the words are meaningless. So let's see Sam Ellinger make it happen on the field. I am halfway excited about them getting Whittington back this week at wide receiver. So my ever so slight lean is Texas to win outright, and I will take Texas plus the two. These certainly are not any of our official predictions or official plays. Let's say that. We'll make a prediction. We're not going to... You're not going to hold us to any of these. Let me say that. Alabama is favored by 23 at Ole Miss. This game's been moved. All right, so let's try, and ex let's try and understand the reasoning here. This game was originally slated for a 6 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. But apparently, someone who knows weather far more than I was able to ascertain information that said the weather's going to be too bad to kick off at 6 p.m. However... 90 minutes later, at 7.30, everything's cool. Everything's clear. It's like a pop-up thunderstorm. But in this case, we have a tropical depression coming through at that point. So one of those pop-up tropical depressions, you hate to see it this time of year, one of those old pop-up tropical depressions, it's in and out, 90 minutes, it's gone, and hey, I guess blue clear skies by the time that the uh, Tide and Rebels kick off here. So uh, that made no sense to me, but at least we have football, like I said. So I'm not in a position to make fun of anyone because we didn't think we would have the games a few months ago. Alabama's got to dictate terms here. Now, they can play this game any which way they want to. They can run the ball if they want to. They can throw the ball if they want to. Ole Miss's defense is grade A atrocious at stopping either. Alabama has not been able to run the ball this year. Did you notice what Nick Saban said earlier this week, by the way? He was asked about that by the media there at Alabama. And he said, well, I'll tell you what he didn't say. What he didn't say is our offensive line just hasn't played up to standard. What he said was, we got to do a better job as a staff of getting our guys prepared to play the right way. Now, I don't know how you interpreted that, but I interpreted it to mean he's not necessarily watching that film and saying, oh, man, these guys aren't good enough. These guys aren't doing the job. What he's looking at is saying uh, they're ill-prepared to do the job. So that's on us. Because that's not one of the things he always says. When he, when he says that, it's very rare, and it, there's normally a, a meaning behind it. So I expect them to 
heavily focus on the run game this week. And uh, that's been the question. Where is the run game? So you know they have Georgia on deck. The last thing in the world Nick Saban's interested in doing is getting into a back-and-forth shootout here where his defense has got to be on the field all afternoon. They play, instead of playing 64 plays, they play 91. Even in a win, they're on the field 91 snaps. No one wants that. So I will say this, and as, as much as rain may or may not be a factor here, pretty sure wind will be a factor. If wind is a factor in this game, 23 is way too low because Ole Miss can't do anything else. So 23 is going to be way too low. If you got more than like 15, 20 mile an hour sustained, which you figure to have, Alabama will beat them to death, and it'll be a far wider margin of victory than 23. We're going to take Bama minus 23, and we're going to obviously take them to win as well. Let me get to one of the most interesting off-the-radar games in all of the SEC, and I would argue in the nation this Saturday. Arkansas, fresh off their upset win against Mississippi State, they're playing Auburn Saturday. Auburn is a 13.5-point favorite. We're going to have more on this game in a little while. There's a lot going on at Auburn. Some of you Auburn fans understand where I'm coming from with this, but this is not a big national radar game. The last time you guys thought about Auburn was when you probably turned the game off at halftime when they were getting smoked by Georgia. There's a lot going on over there. A lot of injury, a lot of internal dynamics. There's a lot going on. They do not have their stuff together right now. Arkansas is coming in there fully planning on winning this game. I don't view this, in other words, as two respective sides having the typical mentality that a near two-touchdown favorite would have and a near two-touchdown underdog would have. Don't feel those typical dynamics here at all. I'd be happy if I were Gus Malzahn. I'd be happy with a field goal win Saturday. I'd be happy with a win of any kind. Um, run defense was very shaky last week. Now, Georgia will do that to you. you Kentucky did it too. And who's to say Arkansas can't do it? Arkansas didn't light the world on fire offensively against Mississippi State, but they didn't have to because they shut their offense down. Now we ask about Auburn's offense. And I ask you, what is Auburn's offense? Because that's another thing that I think internally is an issue over there. I don't really think they know who they are. By the way, has anyone noticed this week, I was listening to some Auburn players interviewed about the upcoming game, and they talked about Arkansas. They were asked about Arkansas, and they talked about in fact, they went out of their way to talk about how improved that team looks. I don't know if everyone over there realized it, but what you were doing was you were talking about how improved this team is, which only can imply uh, they're much better than they were with that coach they had last year. Problem is, the coach they had last year is right here in your locker room. It's Chad Morris. So I hope Chad had earplugs in early this week because his players were steadily uh, and subtly tossing his performance in Fayetteville under the bus. Hey, his performance at Auburn so far has been nothing to write home about. I don't know what they are offensively is what I'm telling you. So listen, they may win. I'm going to pick them to win the game. I don't know if they have pull-away ability at all. Pull-away meaning stretch the lead late. So I'm going to come back to this game. But you know, it could, it could be a couple of ways. It could be that Auburn just has no business being favored by nearly two touchdowns over anyone, or could be the other way. But I'll tell you the danger in rushing in to just take the points here. We did it last week with Missouri. Remember, we took Missouri plus the points against Tennessee, and we had all these things in our mind that Tennessee wasn't going to be able to do. We didn't think Tennessee was going to be able to bomb away on them. We didn't think anything like that, and it was going to be a slower, methodical game. Well, we were right about all those things, but it didn't matter because the roster advantage was such that Tennessee was just able to lean on Missouri. Well, that's something I don't think Auburn can do. They don't have the offensive line to do it. And I haven't seen any semblance of identity uh, offensively from them so far to think that, well, all of a sudden it'll just click this week. Maybe it will. We'll see. We're going to come back to that game later, though. 
Virginia Tech is playing North Carolina. This is a top 20 matchup that regardless of what someone tells you in the grocery store, this is a top 20 matchup. It's a noon kickoff Eastern time on ABC. Beware those preseason magazines and the marriage that some of us tend to have between us and those preview magazines. It may be conscious, it may be subconscious, but you know what I'm talking about. You go to the beach, you go out on the lake, and you just absorb everything over the course of a weekend over the summer. You absorb everything that's in that preview magazine, and whether you mean to or not, you let what that magazine says about a team become your default setting. And it's not that you can't change your mind, but it's going to take something other than what's already in your mind to have it changed. So what did the preview magazine culture probably tell you? It probably told you that North Carolina is a bona fide contender this year. Maybe not for Clemson. Maybe not, maybe not going to overtake Clemson, but they're a surefire contender for number two in the ACC. Meanwhile, no one knows what Virginia Tech is. And then you read about all the COVID mess they've had up there, but you had never seen either team play a football game this year. So now we've seen them play some games. And I know what a lot of your minds have been doing, because mine's been doing the same thing. You've been watching North Carolina, and it was a slop fest, not literally, because they played indoors in week one against Syracuse, but they never pulled away from Syracuse until the very end, and uh, it was kind of a misleading final score, and then they had a bunch of time off for cancellations, and then last week, they played Boston College, couldn't hit deep place to save their life against Boston College, and they won, but they failed relative to expectation, expectation being a point spread. Meanwhile, Virginia Tech's had like half their roster out and half their coaching staff out, and they've just found ways to win. So you keep waiting for North Carolina to do what you think they're capable of, and you keep waiting for Virginia Tech to fall because they're doing a lot more than you thought they were capable of. But what we don't factor into that equation is, could we have just been wrong about either team? That's always a concern. So in this one, run defense is all it's about. Uh, make no mistake. North Carolina's been pretty good at stopping the run, hadn't faced a lot of great rushing attacks. Virginia Tech, I think, ran for over 300 last week, haven't faced the best run Ds in the world. It's still early in the year, so we don't know if they look poor because you made them look poor. It's that whole deal. So we'll see. But I'll tell you, as much as I'm watching that, the one thing I need to see, man, there's talent at receiver, there's talent at quarterback for Carolina. They need to be able to stretch the field more because they've done a poor job of it so far. Having said that, I got to trust our numbers. I'm going to take North Carolina to win. I'm going to take North Carolina to cover. That one bears close watching. That's an early kickoff. Got a lot of games with a lot of implications in that early kickoff window. We already talked. Uh, we did a whole breakdown, actually, on Florida versus Texas A&M. You can find that in individual cut style on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Mood Tracker time. We do it every Thursday. The Mood Tracker is essentially what a fan base is feeling about their program. And um, boy, it was special. I do this on the web too. So it's at 247sports.com in written form if you want to read that. Normally it's up there on Thursday morning. And I, yeah, I, had, a, I had a kind of an epiphany today. Sometimes you can't tell when you've peaked in life, in your career, in your personal life, whatever. It's, you look back years later and you say, oh, look, man, I didn't know it, but that's where I peaked. I think I may have peaked today. This could be it right here in the middle of 2020, no less. I could have peaked today. I love The Office, even the latter seasons up until season nine, which I disavow totally. But there's one episode. It's the very end. It's the series finale. And there's the camera on Andy Bernard. And Andy Bernard gives the following quote, I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. I think today could have been my good old day because Fleetwood Mac has been trending heavily lately. Dreams, which is my favorite song of all time, has been trending heavily lately because of certain viral videos on the old TikTok involving cranberry juice. I think you know what I'm talking about. So I took it upon myself to do a Fleetwood Mac themed mood tracker today in which I described every fan base's mood relative to a Fleetwood Mac song. And I got to tell you, it was very vindicating for me. I was mocked in first grade. I was mocked in fifth grade. I was mocked in high school. I was mocked in college and in the early portion of my adulthood for loving a band that really existed and had most of their big hits before I was born. But now everyone wants to hop on board. But okay, I got room for you. I feel like the Dallas Cowboys. This has got to be what the Lakers feel like, but I've got room for you. Hop aboard. As many of you as want to come aboard, I've been preaching this message for a long time, but it took some dude chugging cranberry juice on a skateboard on TikTok. But I digress. I will say this, though, as I said on the podcast the other day, I don't give out parenting advice because I don't have children, but I broke my own rule the other day. And I'll tell you again, if your children are hearing about Fleetwood Mac for the first time through a TikTok video, that's a failure on your part. That's all I'm going to say. So let's move on. South Carolina, their mood, I use Little Lies, and I used lyrics from Little Lies. No more broken hearts. We're better off apart. Let's give it a try. Is that where we are? Is that where things are in Columbia? I talk to a lot of Gamecock fans, and shot for shot, man for man, woman for woman, they say, yep, 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 yep. That you just, you sound done. And I don't know if it can be resurrected. I don't know if the, the emotional fences can be mended, but uh, people are not on board. With, uh, with the direction, whatever the direction that Will Muschamp has this program headed. A lot of you aren't on board with it. I want to talk about a must-win game. They're favored by 13 or so here in Nashville Saturday against Vanderbilt. That's a must-win game because if they don't win that game, you start 0-3. You've got Auburn and LSU before the bye. Uh, that is, uh, I won't say a sure 0-5 start. It is a probable 0-5 start if they lose Saturday. And then there's the bye week, at which point you will have the ultimate theory in 2020 tested. And that theory is no coach is going to get fired because of all the external factors. Well, I can tell you, if you start 0-5, the only thing saving your job, if you will must champ, is 2020. How about Tennessee? Beautiful song. Number six on the greatest hits album, Gypsy. So I'm back to the velvet underground, back to the floor that I love. I'll tell you what Jeremy Pruitt loves. I'll tell you what he loves going back to. And that is playing football in the same manner he grew up watching it, coached, his dad's a coach, and played. They're doing things that would be right at home in 1987. You could drop their style offensively. Now, there is, they're always, no one runs a true old-school offense. Even the triple option teams, 
have elements of their offense that are more modernized. I'm not saying Tennessee doesn't possess that, but what I am saying is while everyone else in this sport has decided to spread things out, Pruitt walked into Knoxville and he said, well, if everyone else is doing it that way, perhaps we can be unique just by doing it the way we used to do it. And he built a wrecking ball, essentially. The first thing he did was looked at his offensive line. I don't know if you guys heard in the broadcast last week, uh, they only said it like three dozen times. Jeremy Pruitt only had one offensive lineman over 300 pounds when he got to Tennessee. Now all of them are over 300 pounds. Great. All right. So uh, that's true, and that's what he did. And he didn't just recruit guys. That's what I keep trying to tell folks. You don't just have to recruit anymore. The transfer portal has made it apparent that you can just go pluck guys. You can put together an offensive line. All of a sudden, you got Kennedy from Alabama. Uh, you got uh, Cade Mays, who was just ruled eligible, formerly from Georgia. They didn't recruit those guys out of high school. They got them, though. So they're a wrecking ball now. And imagine, can you imagine if the dust were to settle Saturday? This is a wild scenario. Please don't understand that I'm predicting this. But here's a wild scenario that Colin doesn't think it's all that wild. What if Tennessee pulls the upset Saturday and A&M beats Florida Saturday? You get to the end of the day, and there's Tennessee. Dust clears. Smoke settles. And there is that orange T flying atop the SEC East, not only atop the SEC East, with a head-to-head win over Georgia and Georgia going to Alabama the next week and knowing that, yeah, we got to play Florida, but Florida's got to come up here in December. Have you ever seen Florida play in sub-40-degree temperatures? It's not a pretty sight. So the end of Saturday could be mesmerizing, or it could be same old, same old. We'll see. I think I may have gone too far down that road. Miami has the privilege of getting dreams. Now, dreams is the song that's gone viral here. The lyric I used is, have you any dreams you'd like to sell? Because they'd sure love to buy them in Coral Gables. And the one, namely, that they'd love to buy is that of their own upset Saturday. I put out on Twitter earlier today, I put out a poll, which I don't do a lot, but I should do more because I have great traction on it. In fact, I can probably pull it up right here. Let me use stall tactics. I asked, essentially, if we were to, let's say we um, paint the picture for those upsets. So Tennessee over Georgia or Miami over Clemson. Which of those upsets, if they happened, would impact college football more in 2021 and beyond? So I'm not even talking about this season, but 2021 and beyond, which upset would you be looking back more on once you saw the ramifications of it and say, wow, man, that really that really impacted college football as a whole? So I did this a few hours ago. We got, a, got over 700 votes on it. Miami over Clemson. You guys voted at a 63 to 36% clip would have the bigger impact on the sport of college football. I could make a, a certain argument for both, but I understand what people are saying here. Because if you beat Clemson, not only did you obviously pull a huge upset, not only does that have immediate ramification, but think about how that sells to South Florida kids. We've talked about that ad nauseum about recruiting and about what Miami needs to do in South Florida and what anyone down there needs to do in South Florida. If they beat Clemson, first off, if they beat them, that means they're good enough. They were good enough to have beaten Clemson, which means by default, you got to take them more seriously. And by default, it means Manny Diaz has pushed the right buttons, pulled the right levers, and he's got the right pieces in there. And now he goes and sells that and he says, hey, I just hired this offensive coordinator like five minutes ago. I just pulled this quarterback off the transfer market. Imagine what we could be, man, if we put a bunch of homegrown talent together for that reason, among others. Yeah, I agree with you. That's a, that's a dream that you would like to come reality Saturday. And for Texas, we went Rhiannon. 
There is a very simple line in Rhiannon, will you ever win? It's repeated over and over again, just as much as it's being repeated in Austin, Texas, over and over again. Now, granted, the rest of that song is about a Welch witch, which has nothing to do with this game or program whatsoever, but let's pay attention to the quote. Will you ever win, Tom? We already talked about this earlier in the show. Recruiting, though, is an angle I didn't hit earlier. Recru- they just had another high-profile decommitment, and I was reading over on the Horns 24-7 site and have heard elsewhere This past week or two, opposing staffs have really been pushing this narrative of unrest at Texas, possible hot seat talk for Tom Herman at Texas. And here's the thing, whether it's true or not, if kids believe it, that's all that matters. And if they lose, let's say Saturday, that does nothing to quell that. In fact, it only fans those flames. They've got to win, man. That's why this game's so important. A lost Saturday hurts Oklahoma in 2020, but they got Spencer Rattler there. Like They'll be right back in 2021. What do you have? What do you have at Texas? You already have everything. This is the point. You've got a 19th year senior at quarterback. You've got a loaded roster. You've got everything you should ever need, and yet you've already lost one game. Some would argue you should be sitting in the same situation Oklahoma is with a, a potential back-to-back-to-back loss situation. They just got to win. But Nevertheless, anytime we can theme the mood tracker after Fleetwood Mac, it's been a good day on Late Kick. Hopefully we'll have a good Saturday because let's wrap up now with our week six predictions and really to put a finer point on it as I get my papers straight, the Ramen Noodle Express. Now we're sitting at 500 right now. We don't feel great about that. We do feel great about our lineup this weekend. I want to stress before I hand these out, You need to follow me on Twitter because I don't know that we're done. I had Colin change the graphic like, what, Colin, less than an hour before the show tonight because we had a line move and we had one that didn't move that we're waiting on. We're still waiting on it right now. So last week, for instance, we had one move and I think I tweeted it out Saturday morning. And obviously that's after the last show we have of the week. So the only way you can get that is if you follow me on Twitter and that's free. So there's no excuse for you not to. At Late Kick Josh. You need to be there. Even if you're not a gambler, just be there anyway. We have a lot of fun on there during the week. So we already gave you two of these. Let's show them now, Colin, the final three picks at least. We gave you FIU minus four and a half against Middle Tennessee State. That one has since moved up. So we're glad we got on that one early. We also gave you Florida at Texas A&M over 57. Our three new picks are as follows. Kansas State plus eight and a half on the road against TCU. We're taking Marshall minus seven against Western Kentucky, and we are taking Arkansas plus 13 and a half against Auburn. We are not getting good line value on this Arkansas game. If you understand what we're talking about here, that opened north of two touchdowns. I think it opened around 15 or 16, and we're catching this thing after it's already crossed a key number, which should probably tell you how confident I am. And it's because of things that have happened this week that I've learned this week that we're moving on that game. Otherwise, we wouldn't be touching a game that's crossed a key number like that. So Florida International minus four and a half. Gators and Aggies over 57. Kansas State plus eight and a half. Marshall minus seven. And Arkansas plus 13 and a half. Those are our five best bets. And again, we may be done. We may not be done. Follow me on Twitter at LateKickJosh for all the latest there. It's been a really good week. We've had, as I said, a great week of shows, great week of traffic. If you haven't already, subscribe to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel and also go find the Late Kick podcast. We just released another edition of Late Kick Extra, which is 
wall-to-wall mailbag this morning. Always have a lot of fun on that. Always await your submissions. You can email me really with anything you want to talk about, but specifically, if you got questions for the extra podcast, joshpate706 at gmail.com, or you can DM me on Twitter. Whether you follow me or not, I keep the DMs open. So for Director Colin, for Jordan on the podcast side, I'm Josh Pate. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games and God bless.